Welcome back, everybody. I hope you're ready for part number eight of Wish Tree by Catherine Applegate. We're going to pick up, if you have the book, some people have told me they have the book and they're following along, uh, which is awesome. We're starting at chapter 39, which is on page 153. Now, there's about 210 pages in the book. So if you can do the math, we're about three-fourths of the way through. But this last fourth of the book is gets really, really good. And uh, I hope you listen closely and I, I hope you're enjoying it. Did you catch, um, it talked about how people would leave gifts to Maeve in the tree for um, for her services, kind of as a, uh, not really a doctor, but a, a, being the role of a doctor for the people who couldn't afford it. But it talked about the different gifts that somebody left. And somebody left her a small journal and it said it had a tiny silver key Hmm, I wonder if that's a clue to that other silver key we heard about. Well, we'll we're going to find out soon enough. Uh, get ready. Here we go. Part number eight, Wish Tree. At long last, I stopped talking. Once the words had spilled out, it was like trying to stop the wind. In the silence that followed, I felt as if the whole world was holding its breath. I'd broken the rule. Stephen and Samar still stared, open-mouthed at me. They looked as rooted to the ground as I was. Neither had uttered a sound while I told my story. The front door to Stephen's house opened. Stephen, called his father. What the heck are you doing, young man? Stephen leapt to his feet. I, here I come, Dad. Um, good night, Samar. Night, Stephen, she said. Stephen dashed toward the door, but stopped halfway. He spun around to look at me. Thanks, he said in a quizzical voice, using the same tone he might have used if Bongo had just made him pancakes. The door slammed behind him. Samar stood, holding her blanket to her chest. I know I must be dreaming, she said. She headed to her own porch, and he used to open the door. I just wish, she added with a smile, that I didn't have to wake up. Almost instantly, I'd regretted what I'd done. I'd broken the rule, the biggie. I'd deliberately spoken to people. And not just a few words, I'd spoken a river of words. I wasn't like that frog in the mailbox. I hadn't broken the rule accidentally. I'd broken the rule because I wanted something. I wanted to matter. I wanted to do something meaningful before I died. I'd done it for myself. After the shocked babies and their equally shocked parents were safely ensconced in their dens, I admitted my feelings to Bongo, and I waited for her to yell at me. Bongo is good at yelling, extremely good. You might even say she has a gift. Why did I do it, Bongo? I murmured. Why? She flew to home plate. She stroked my rough bark with her sleek head. You did it, my wise old tree because you had a story to tell. It was foolish, I said. I'm not supposed to be foolish. Not so foolish, Bongo said. Just hopeful. And everyone needs to hope, Red. Even wise old trees. Morning emerged slowly, heavy with clouds. A light rain had fallen just before dawn, soothing my leaves, if not my mood. Oddly, the ground felt saturated. Spring was always muddy, of course, 
but this was unusual. It would make for a messy wishing day tomorrow. An early rising old gentleman with a bamboo cane approached. He paused to attach a small piece of blue paper to my lowest branch, using a bit of twine. He didn't say his wish out loud, so I couldn't tell what it was. But he had a satisfied smile as he stepped carefully through the soggy grass. No doubt I'd be seeing more wishes today. Many people came early to grab an easy-to-reach spot. This would probably be my last wishing day. How could it be that my first one, that long-ago day with Maeve, still seemed as fresh in my heart as my conversation with Stephen and Samar from the previous night? A car slowed to a crawl near the curb. I saw an arm, a blur, and then splat! Something hit my trunk. Splat! Splat! Two more times, and then the car roared off with a screech of tires. Bongo was the first to report on the damage. Raw eggs, she said. I'm assuming that didn't hurt. Didn't feel a thing, I said. Fresh baked bread, hairy spiders, and Big U ventured out to inspect the situation. Big U slipped under the police tape and licked one of the yolks sliding down my trunk. Mmm, she murmured. Raw, just the way I like them. Hey, Big, share the wealth, Harry Spider snapped as she and Fresh joined her. Agnes watched from her perch. I'd much prefer a squirming mouse pup, she said. It's all yours, ladies. What a nice surprise, Big U, Big U said between slurps. This is not nice, Bongo said. This is people at their worst. Still, said Harry Spiders, licking her paws. It'd be a shame to let perfectly good egg goo go to waste. One creature's nastiness is another creature's nibble. Big U gave a satisfied burp, and the animals scampered back to their homes. The door to Stephen's house opened. He walked over to me, saw the eggshells scattered like puzzle pieces, and scowled. Samar was next, a backpack slung over her shoulder, and books clutched to her chest. She leapt over a muddy puddle and joined Stephen. Jerks, he muttered gesturing toward the egg remains. Sorry, Samar. But Samar held up her hand. Stephen, she said in a low voice. Last night. Stephen nodded ever so slightly, his eyes locked on me. Last night, he repeated as if they were speaking in code. The tree, the tree. You heard what I heard, Samar asked. I did. Samar looked right at Stephen. You heard the tree? I heard the tree. Samar gave a little nod. So it was maybe a trick. Somebody playing a joke on us. Or maybe we were both sleepwalking at the same time, Stephen suggested. He nodded as if trying to convince himself. Yeah, sleepwalking. Have you ever sleepwalked before? No, but there's a first time for everything. They stood there looking at me expectantly willing me to speak. At least that's how I felt. I stayed silent. I'd said my piece, and I regretted it. Stephen, Samar said softly, whatever happens, we can't tell a soul about this. Deal? Deal. Ever? Ever. Samar sighed. People would say we were crazy. And they'd probably be right, said Stephen. Samar jutted her chin at me. Tree! Do you have something to add? I didn't say a word. Samar and Stephen shared a smile. 
figured it was worth a shot, she said. And with that, they headed off to school together. Stephen's father came out onto the porch. He was holding a cup of coffee. He caught sight of Stephen and Samar and frowned. A moment later, Samar's mother stepped out of the blue house, her keys jangling, a briefcase over her shoulder, and she followed her neighbor's gaze. Both parents watched in silence until Stephen and Samar, walking side by side, disappeared from view. I didn't have much time to mull over my mistake. We had a steady stream of visitors as the hours passed. Early wishmakers came throughout the day, a little girl who wanted 20 hamsters, the grocer down the street hoping for a summer of sweet peaches, the usual. The local reporter returned. She peeked at some of the new wishes hanging from my boughs and took a photo of the broken eggshells on my trunk. Sandy and Max came to remove the police tape surrounding me. Francesca joined them. Today, she had Lewis and Clark on thin leather leech leashes. Each cat was wearing an embarrassingly sparkly harness. Francesca discussed the broken eggs with Sandy and Max, while Lewis and Clark wove around her legs. I've got a tree cutter coming out later today give, to give me an estimate, Francesca said. So you're definitely cutting it down, Sandy asked, in what I like to think was a disappointed voice. Yep, no question. See that muck, all the water in the yard? Francesca pointed at the soggy lawn. Plumber told me this dang tree is plugging up some of the pipes. Least bit of rain and the yard turns into a giant mud puddle. Still, people are going to be sorry to see it go, Max said. He reached for Clark's leash and tried to unwrap Francesca. I know it's a good old tree, but sentiment doesn't pay the plumber. Sandy grabbed Lewis while Francesca attempted to unknot herself from the leashes. What about the animals and birds that live in the tree? She asked. Ah, uh, that's where I'm using the old noggin, Francesca said. Every year the possums and owls and such vacate the premises on wishing day. Strangest thing, it's like they know what's coming. She hopped over the web of leashes. Suppose they don't like being disturbed. In any case, I'm hoping the critters will come, late, come out late tomorrow afternoon, and most of the wishing will be done by then. What will you do with all the wishes? Sandy asked. Put them in the trash when no one's looking. That's what I do every year. Whole thing's nonsense anyway. Max and Sandy looked at me sympathetic, sympathetically. I know, I know. I don't have a sentimental bone in my body. Francesca paused to address the cats, who were yanking her in opposite directions. If dogs can do this, why is it such a challenge for you too? She turned her attention back to the police. But it's time. More than time. Well, we're going to swing by tomorrow. Keep an eye on things. No lead on the person who carved that word. But with the eggs and people just generally riled and the cut down, Sandy shrugged. Couldn't hurt to have us keep an eye on things. Thanks, Francesca said. Not necessary, but I appreciate it. Lewis and Clark caught a glimpse of Bongo and lunged for my trunk. Whoa, you crazy felines, Francesca cried, reining them in. They hissed at Bongo. She spread her wings menacingly and let out her most ferocious call. Lewis and Clark retreated for, for the safety of Francesca's arms. Once again, she was a tangled knot of leashes and cats. Sandy smiled. Maybe leave the cats home tomorrow, Francesca. That afternoon, I met my executioners.
Not having teeth, I've never really understood the fear people seem to have of dentists. I've overheard conversation where the words root canal and cavity were used. But in the tree world, those have different meanings. After seeing the tree cutters and their equipment, I understood. When a truck carrying powerful chainsaws, along with something ominously called a stump grinder shows up, well, you know you're in trouble. Mind you, an arborist is a great friend to trees. We need our limbs trimmed just the way you need to cut your fingernails and hair. Although for us, it's only once or twice a year, and it's called pruning. I always feel especially elegant after a good pruning. But pruning is usually done with special shears that look like giant scissors, or with a small saw on a long pole. Stump grinders are generally not part of the plan. It didn't help when three men wearing orange hard hats went to Francesca's door and announced they were from Timber Terminator's Tree Service. I'm going to make a deposit on those silly hats, Bongo muttered. No, Bongo, I said, although the idea was tempting. Let's wait and see what's what. Maybe they're just here for some pruning. You're really an optimist. Francesca walked them in over, this time without Lewis and Clark and they discussed cost and timing. That's right. They talked about cutting me down, even as, even as they enjoyed the shade from my lovely lynch. They, that's right. They talked about cutting me down, even as they enjoyed the shade from my lovely limbs. Talk about insensitive. One of the men, he introduced himself as Dave, climbed a ladder to, expect my, to inspect my hollows. Agnes, Harry Spiders, and Big U eyed him warily, ready to defend their babies. You've got some critters here, ma'am, he reported. Yes, yes, I know, Francesca said. Every year like clockwork. Bongo flew up to a spot near Agnes. Just one deposit, she said under her breath. That's all I'm saying. Situation like this, we generally advise cutting in late fall, less likely to disturb any nest. I've got that covered, Francesca nodded, hands in the air. Animals and birds hightail it high out of here every May 1st. Wishing day, you know. Dave scratched his subly chin. A wishing day? People make wishes. Put them on the tree. Animals and birds don't like all the noise. If you could do this tomorrow afternoon, the timing would be perfect. You work on Saturdays? Sure do, Dave shook his head. Wishing day, he murmured. Now I've heard everything. Francesca nodded. She patted my trunk. Yeah, craziness. Can't believe I've put up with it for as long as I have. Early that evening, Francesca stopped by the blue and green houses. My houses. One with a black door, one with a brown door. One with a yellow mailbox, one with a red mailbox. She knocked at each door. She explained her plans for me. Both sets of parents said they understood. They would be sorry to see me go, but it would be a relief to see an end to wishing day, wouldn't it? And my absence would, would mean more sunlight in their living rooms and fewer acorns underfoot. Okay, at least let me make a deposit on the parents, Bongo grumbled. More sunlight, the nerve. How about less oxygen, people? Less beauty. Thanks for defending me, Bongo, I said, but no depositing. Samar and Stephen were not so understanding. They ran after Francesca as she crossed the lawn. Samar pulled on her sweater. 
You have to listen to us, Samar said. You can't cut down that tree. I can't? Francesca inquired. And why is that, dear? Because, Stephen said, panting, it's alive. I'm quite aware of that, Francesca said. It's a common trait of trees. She paused, peering down at the ribbon around Samar's neck. Why, I know that key, she said. I recognize the ribbon. A crow gave it to me. No kidding. Smart birds, crows. Samar slipped the ribbon over her head and handed the key to Francesca. Oh, I don't want that old thing, she said, giving it back. You can keep it. It just made me remember. It's not important. It opens a diary. My great-great-grandmother. She, her name was Maeve. She kept a journal after she moved here. So that's what it's for, Samar said. Where is it, Stephen? The journal. Attic, maybe, or no, it's probably in the shed behind Samar's house. Got a lot of old family stuff stashed away in there. She gave a wry smile. Unless it all floated away. Backyard's pretty wet right now. Which, by the way, is one of the reasons it's time for this tree to say goodbye. Samar wiped away tears. You don't understand. This tree, it's, it's almost like it's human. That's sweet, Francesca patted Samar's head. But honey, it's just a tree. She squared her shoulders. Now I must go feed Lewis and Clark. I can hear them complaining from all the way over here. And I've got a busy day ahead of me tomorrow. As she moved to leave, Stephen stepped in front of her. Before you go, he said, his voice firm, just listen. He turned to me. Say something, he instructed. Please, tree, Samar pleaded. I kept silent. What, will, what more was there to say? Francesca looked from Stephen to Samar and back again. Children, she said, perhaps those video games you play have riddled your brains. Talk, tree, Stephen said. Silence. It can talk, Samar told Francesca. Real words. It told us a story about Maeve. Francesca, for just a moment, hesitated. She looked at me. You mean metaphorically, of course. The tree seemed to talk to you. The leaves whispered and on and on. It told us about the hollow and the baby. Francesca blinked. The baby? Yeah, Samar said, the abandoned baby. Again, Francesca paused. Of course, I've told that family story before. You probably heard it from a neighbor. Stephen shook his head. We heard it from the tree. Oh my, said Francesca. She waved a hand in front of her face. You're wearing me out, you two. I'm so very glad my parenting days are behind me. Listen here, you get a good night's sleep, understand? Or maybe some counseling. As quickly as she could, Francesca made her way across the lawn, her shoes caked with mud. Francesca, Stephen called. It's just a tree, dears. Repeat after me. It's just a tree. I was wondering if we could look for that diary. She glanced over her shoulder. Maeve's journal? Be my guest if it's not underwater by now. She held up her palms. Just no more craziness, you hear? When Francesca was back in her house, Stephen and Samar looked at me accusingly. Why didn't you talk? Samar demanded. Because it was foolish. Because I wasn't supposed to. Because. 
Looking defeated, Stephen and Samar trudged away. They hadn't gone far when Samar paused and turned to Stephen. Something's happening today, she said. People at school were being weird, talking about me, whispering, passing notes even. She narrowed her eyes. You didn't tell anyone last night. You didn't tell anyone about last night, did you? Of course not. Then I wonder what was going on. Oh, you're probably imagining things. I don't think so. I mean, I'm used to people talking about me, being mean, but this was different. Well, things aren't always what they seem, Stephen smiled sympathetically. Come on, let's go check out that shed. I watched the two of them head towards Samar's backyard. They were talking, laughing, becoming friends, perhaps. Maybe I hadn't been so foolish after all.